Today we are joined by a IHOPU alumni, Stuart, to talk about doing prayer in community. How is praying in community and corporate prayer different? Are there examples in scripture where we see prayer in community? How can one gather people around to pray together? What can we do to infiltrate prayer as part of the culture of friends and those around you? This and more on today's Burning Room podcast. Burnett on with us on the Burnish Rooms podcast. Welcome to the Burning Rooms podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we connect you to the prayer movement in Canada and beyond, where we have the conversations, share the stories that encourage you and strengthen you in your corporate and personal prayer life. Burning Rooms, bringing personality to prayer podcasts since the start of 2019. My name is Johan. I'm Jehu. And today we are joined by Stuart Burnett. Burn it. <laughs> we just having this conversation about how to pronounce the name because he tells people to pronounce the name different in Canada than it actually is pronounced. So, you know, that's kind of it's wanna, chaos. Want to do your last name for us? You want to say it? Yeah. So we tell Canadians that it's Burnett because it's the only way they uh, watch people spell it correctly. Uh, but it's actually pronounced Burnett. Uh, so my last name, my full name, would be Stuart Burnett. Full name. Do you have a middle? I, I do have a middle name, so it's it's Stuart Luke Burnett. Thank you. If you want to throw in some fun Scottish accent, it would be Stuart Luke Burnett. Ooh. Ooh. It's like exotic. Well, I mean, Scottish is kind of exotic-ish. Well, you've heard his voice. Now, Jay, who you want to introduce our guest today and why we're having a conversation about doing prayer in community? Uh, I thought we were going to talk about Burger Week, Johan. What about the burgers? Oh, yeah. Burger Week. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, we were actually, you know, we got a few people on the podcast here today, and it's Burger Week in Winnipeg, so we we're thinking, you know, we should go out for burgers. It's We got some guys together here and a girl or two. <laughs> we're going to go for burgers, you know? We're, we like each other. We're friends. Uh, but, you know, with this COVID thing, it's kind of weird getting people from different households going to a restaurant, and you got a social distance in the restaurant. So we are going to get takeout with these fancy burgers in Winnipeg, but... You know, it's cheaper just to make our own. We can make some gourmet burgers. So that's what we're doing. So if you want to join our Patreon, you too might be invited to a burger party someday. A little burger cookout? Maybe a burger cookout. So check in on that. And uh, yeah, you might get in on time for some winter burgers cookouts. Yeah. Anyway, you want to introduce our guest today? Let's get back to the topic. For sure. So we are joined by Stuart Burnett. Uh, and he will be joining us to talk about, well, really part of the tagline for the Burning Rooms podcast. We're talking about prayer in personal and in corporate. And so, Stuart, you have spent a long time praying. Uh, you were a recent IHOP U alumni, and I'm sure you didn't just spend all of your time there praying solo. And I'm pretty sure there was some corporate aspect there. Would you say that that's fair? Uh, yeah, I, I would say that's a, a large part of the uh International House of Prayer, yeah. 
Yeah, the corporate prayer. And yeah, so we the figured, corporate part. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so we figured it'd be great to have you on to talk about how does that work? How does prayer work both personally and as a corporate aspect? So welcome aboard. We're happy to have you. Thanks. Nice to be here. So when I actually asked you what topics you want to talk about, this was one of the things that you mentioned. So off the top of your head, why was this something that came to mind? Something that's on your heart? Yeah. Um, so as I, as I thought about kind of my connection to corporate house of prayer, I think back to my four years at IHOPU. And specifically, one of the biggest changes in IHOPU happened between my first and second year, where the prayer room went from a place that we just, we it was a part of our lives that we had to go to for school, but we did it by ourselves, to um, something that we actually, we had ministry teams that we actually did the prayer room together. So it was no longer something that you just signed up for your hours and you went, but you actually, as a team, signed up for a chunk of time you would meet together before your time. You would have like a briefing room. You'd talk about the the what was going to happen. We would do some meditation together. We would pray together. And it made the prayer room something that you did as a community. And it really just made the prayer room more approachable. I know I remember talking to people uh, who came in after us, so the, the, the year under us, and how much they enjoyed it. And then even for my own, my own self, and talking to my fellow classmates, just the the change that came with the prayer room that made it so much more enjoyable to do it with a group of people rather than just uh, you know checking in and doing your doing your time. So that that sounds like corporate prayer as well. Like, is there is there a difference between what you're talking about corporate prayer and praying in community? I think there is. Like corporate prayer being like prayer room, and then like praying in community is. I guess it's more like the, your. I would see it more as your traditional prayer meetings where you're gathering together five or six people or two or three people and praying, which was to a degree what we were doing in our side rooms is we were gathering in groups of, you know, eight to 10, sometimes five and, and really pursuing the Lord as a small group, getting, getting to pray over and over our own group, prophesying over our own group and making making the corporate prayer meeting more of a uh, a community prayer meeting. So what makes it more community based? Is it the ownership? Is it the group size? Is it the heart posture? Like what is it that makes it cuz what you're talking about sounds incredibly enjoyable. It sounds like it's thriving. Like what is it about it that makes it so I don't I don't know, just infectious. Yeah, I I would say That's it's a all bad three. word. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Not infectious, you (laughs) know, like enthusiastic. (laughs) Uh, I would say it's all three. It's it's hard to have ownership of of a prayer room like IHOPs when you're one person. Mm. Um, It it's a bad thing, and they're trying to get away from it. But to a degree, IHOP and any big church is a machine that just needs people in seats, and I think. COVID really, really, really pushed them with that and limiting how many people they could have and the, the different steps they had to take. But there is an element of when you're doing it in a small group, everyone needs to buy in because if you have a group of seven people and suddenly one person's not there, it's noticeable. But if it's 300 people in a room, one person isn't there, it's like, oh, well, it's two ninety nine. You didn't notice. What were the other two? You said size, ownership, and what was the third one you said? Man, okay. exciting. Exciting. Yeah, I guess what makes small groups more exciting is is there's an enjoyment level of of connecting with people in the prayer room. Cuz you go into the prayer room it's like you're not supposed to talk to people, like you're not you know, those sort of things. But you get into the side room, you're talking to people about 
how how their experience is with the pair room because it's it's hard. Like there is days where you walk in there and like the glory hits date, like you know the moment you step through like the outer door, and then there's days that you go in and sit there and your phone is way more interesting than anything else happening in the room. Doesn't matter who's on stage. Doesn't matter. My personal favorite prayer sets were Wednesday, 10 o'clock. They were usually very upbeat and and very passionate because they were praying for college campuses. And there was even of those sets where it's like, yeah, I, I don't want to be here. But when you do it, when, we're, when you're doing it in a small group, it's easier to have, I guess, easier to have accountability of like, hey, let's go for this. Let's, you're, it's not just you who's pushing in, but there's seven of us. There's eight of us who are all um, something we uh, term we use is standing on the wall where we'd be all sitting in one section and we would stand during intercession and we would really press in. And it's one of those things that having the small group, having the community and the accountability makes it more enjoyable and makes it easier to press in. So the intimate atmosphere yeah. makes for more engagement too, because you just, you're in it with others. And if you're on your phone, like you're kind of the outsider kind of person people are looking at. So uh, you're talking about how you did this when you're at IHOPU. So for those that are in larger praying communities, like a house of prayer, would you say that these smaller praying communities, like praying in community is such an important thing to have aside from having that larger prayer room? Because some people might just go to the larger prayer gathering and say, that's good enough. I've done my prayer room hours. But is there something to be said about also being involved in this more intimate kind of community? Yeah, I think I think prayer rooms and houses of prayer are no different than local churches where in the, in the sense that you need smaller groups to connect to. And even you look at the house of prayers across Canada and they're not, you know, 600 people, 700 people in the community, but even if it's 15, like 15's too big of a group. Like you need two groups, I knew a group of 7, a group of 8. Like you need to have those small groups that you that you're really going somewhere with. Um, that you're invested in the, not just in the prayer room, but you're invested in each other's lives and each other's prayer lives. I think I've said it a number of times, like just the importance of accountability in our lives, specifically in prayer, because it's so easy just to, to simplify prayer down to just asking the Lord for things and not um, gathering as a group and, and interceding for something. And there's so much power and enjoyment when you're outside of of a prayer room atmosphere and you're with a group and you're praying for college campuses or you're praying for the Middle East or you're praying for revival or whatever it is. And when you're in that small environment and you have the the community aspect where you're connected and you're you have a heart connect to the people around you, it makes it easier to raise your passion level for what you're praying about. I think what's interesting is you're describing a bit of attention. I know for me personally, as a young person, when I went to the International House of Prayer, those big prayer meetings were actually fun. I liked them because I'm from a different place and I get to go and uh, I'm I'm not necessarily greeted by people, which is kind of nice. I don't have to sort of make small talk in the foyer. I can just walk in the doors and I just always remember, again, nothing against small talk and being greeted, but I just remember as a young person, you just step through those doors and it's just you and the Lord and there's people here to facilitate you praying, but at the end of the day, like it's just you and God. There's that ability to grab a chair, to kind of squirrel away in the corner and you can just have that connection with the Lord. And as a young person, that was really attractive. But I know what you mean that as time goes by, you start to look around and you say, well, 
this is really good for me and the Lord. And, and I need this quiet time with the Lord, but I also want someone on my left and on my right. I want someone there to, to pick me up when I fall down. I need that, the, the brothers and sisters in community. And so I think it's a, it's a really interesting in the way you talk about it because, you know, the side rooms, I don't know if specifically you're talking about this, but I know my wife, when she was down at IHOP, she would go into the side rooms that were literally in the prayer room. And so there'd be a prayer meeting happening, but you'd be like, nah, I don't want to be part of that prayer meeting. I need my own prayer meeting in the side room. And it's just, it's so interesting that you would have a prayer meeting inside of a prayer meeting. And it's like the second one is almost more engaging for you because it's a smaller group even though that you have the big band feel and you have the music and on all those things that help you on ramp to the prayer there's something about pulling aside and having that small group that just is i don't know there's just something about it yeah for sure i think uh even as you said like that just going down to to ihop in a non-covid world where our border isn't shut and sitting in that prayer room and engaging on a short term is easy, easy-ish. I said, like, there's still there's still elements to battle through, right? But that's not sustainable. I think that's that's what like Dave Slyker taking over the school. That was his was thing is like to make it sustainable, make it enjoyable. You can you can do a, a semester even without without the accountability, without the community, and it can still be good and enjoyable. But I don't think it's not possible for most people to have it as a lifestyle to not have the community. Most people aren't actually Anna and Simeon from the New Testament who can just who just show up and are just that's just what they do. Most people want to do something in community. I think that's a, just a part of our heart like in our nature as humans, we want to do something with a group of people. Even if you're an introvert and you enjoy your time away, your time alone, it's good for that introvert just to do it maybe with just one person, but to still pursue something in a group is just it's it makes it easier in the long run so you were mentioning Simeon and Anna those are uh, topics we've talked about before in terms of like a biblical basis for like an audience of one and connecting with the Lord do you have a biblical basis for this community prayer idea I mean you can the easy one to go to is the book of Acts a lot of times the the apostles and the disciples met together as a group and were were praying and were were praying until something happened and they were meeting together in those times. I think was something that you kind of you threw out a little before that was the the secret place element and you know Jesus taught teaches to pray and it's you know go into your closet and pray to your father who listens and something I think was hit on so many times at my with my time at IHUPU was the importance of the secret place outside of the prayer room. And that the prayer room doesn't take away from your secret place of the Lord. Even if you are in the prayer room, you know, crazy, like 12 hours a day, seven days a week, like that, you still need your secret place time outside of the prayer room. But the corporate aspect, I think to a degree, the church, less so now, but even like 10, 15 years ago, the idea of the secret place is the only time, like that's where you pray. You're not supposed to I mean, Jesus said we're not supposed to pray on the street corners. We're not supposed to say loud prayers in front of people. And I think that comes back to just bad theology of the idea like, oh, Jesus was saying we're not supposed to pray in front of people. It's like, well, no, he's actually addressing pride. And the idea of I want to look good in front of people, which I for sure struggle with because I'm an Enneagram 3 and want to look good in front of people. But there's that scripture and, and Jesus' teaching on that doesn't take away from the importance of corporate prayer and community-based prayer. Well, I, I definitely would agree with you because 
there is a, a risk, a danger of having a prayer voice of wanting to sound grand on the mic and, and that, but that's, I think what Jesus is warning against, not the idea of, of praying together. I mean, even like you're saying in Acts, when you look at the disciples uh, and the apostles, they're praying and clearly someone's hearing them because it's getting written down. Like there's, there's this element of course, where they're praying together. It's just that idea of, and, and maybe Maybe even in the community aspect, maybe, again, you could speak to that. It's easier to avoid trying to look good in front of people because if there's four or five people there and you all know each other's lives, you're not trying to impress this person. You're not on the mic trying to grandstand with 600 in the room. How can I make the mountain shake with my voice? You're just, it's just you and a couple of friends. Yeah, absolutely. Like even, yeah, like we got, we got five people here right now. Like you're not, I'm not going to try to impress somebody with prayer, like, and like you should never, but like in a small group, there's a comfort level with the people you're with. And there's the the element of like people have seen past your facade and your mask and they know who you actually are. Uh, so you're not trying to like put on a mask and like, no, 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 no. These people know you. <laughs> like they know all of your garbage. They know that throughout all through all of that they still that you still want the lord that you're still pursuing him and yeah it, it takes away that any even attempt for there to be pride or arrogance come through in that so as someone that came from ihop you you're actually pursuing some pastoral jobs outside of a house of prayer so to me it sounds like this is something that's deeply rooted inside you that you really want to have that community of prayer aspect so I'm guessing there are churches that you've uh, that you're applying for looking to get a pastoral job that don't have these prayer gatherings established yet. And I, there's probably a lot of people in the boat after hearing this podcast, even like it excites my heart saying, yeah, I, I want to do prayer and community like that. Like that sounds awesome to go somewhere together in a tight knit community. People are probably excited about starting something like that. Do you have any recommendations or ways that someone could begin this journey of starting a community of prayer? <laughs> uh, just do it. Uh, Nike. <laughs> Not a sponsor, but should be. <laughs> um, don't, don't look at where IHOP is now as an example. And, and really, like, grab a friend, grab your spouse, you know, whatever it is, one person, two people, and begin to... Begin to pray as a group, and as as it goes from there, maybe you know that you've talked with some people, and your group starts to grow a little bit. Meet with your pastor, like, hey, can we start meeting at the church, and really be faithful in the small things. Like, I just finished a a term position at a church south of Brandon, and they've had a a prayer band that meets every Thursday for I want to say like fifteen twenty years now. And and as you would expect, the the people who attend them, it's the same people every week, and it and it's you know it's the those who are sixty, seventy, and retired and have the time, and even more so have have actually a heart and understanding for prayer, and it's the faithfulness of groups like that that have now seen that church begin to meet corporately for prayer every Monday for all summer, and most of those people who are coming on those Monday gatherings probably don't know that the prayer band has been meeting every week. But to be faithful in the small things and to to not be disheartened when nothing changes immediately. One thing that I've been praying about this summer as I've been thinking about what's next 
end and really pursuing kind of just the Lord to give me a, a, a better vision for what I would want a church to look like that I was more lead pastor at in like five, 10 years time. And, and what I keep coming back to is a place like Upper Room in Dallas. And they are the kind of like the quote unquote perfect model for, for a praying community and a praying church. And they didn't start big. They started in a house. And they pursued the Lord and they were, their focus and their eyes were set on prayer in a church context. And they have majored on community the entire way. And that's, and, and those are, the, those are the things that just are so important when, when you're trying to start a small group that is praying specifically when you're starting and it's small and it's disheartening because there's three of you. Essentially, you're all going to take turns of having a disheartened week or a disheartened month. And that's the importance of having a few of you is when it's your month to just be disheartened, you have two or three people who are around you who are like, no, like this is, we're, we're actually doing something. This is still important. We're still reaching for the Lord. We're still connecting with him. And that just, yeah, that goes into the community aspect of why it's so important is you have people around you who are pushing you. Um, and even as I was thinking about this podcast earlier in the week, um, the the phrase and the quote that came to mind was, if you want to go somewhere fast, go alone. But if, if you want to go far, go together. And the idea of, I can do a lot by myself. I can go really fast to somewhere. If I want to go far in prayer, if I want to go far in a, a lifestyle of prayer, I'm not going to do very well if I go by myself. Even having a, a community-like shop and having three or four people that you can connect with in that group will fuel my prayer life and fuel my desire for corporate prayer more than just showing up, sitting in the back row and checking out. You said a few things there that I feel like are important. Like when you talked about that Brandon prayer group meeting every Monday, I think consistency is probably a huge thing. Just saying, okay, we're going to meet this day every week or whenever you're going to meet, no matter what, if it's one person showing up or two people showing up, that's I think consistency is a very important way of starting prayer meetings if you want to create a community because people in community, they want to know you're going to be there when you need them, which brings me to the second thing you talked about where you can encourage one another because prayer isn't easy. And like you said, going about it alone, you could go far, but it's, it's, prayer is hard. It's challenging. So you need that community around you to really strengthen you. And I don't know, I can come up with an example myself and I'm sure Jehu can where where you're trying to pioneer some prayer meetings. Like we were meeting as a house of prayer corporately, but I felt like we needed something for the marketplace people because, you know, we got marketplace people that want to pray. So I I said, okay, I'm going to do it. But the Lord said, before you do it, before you launch it, you got to be doing it yourself. So I was getting up early every single morning by myself, going to my basement at like 6 a.m. in the morning. And I did my own marketplace prayer meeting by myself And then the Lord finally said, okay, now you can go start it more corporately. So I, I did it in the larger building. Quite often it was just me again. Uh, So I was prayer leading, I was worship leading, and I was course leading off my own worship and prayers. It was pretty. One man band over there. It was ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. Even like uh, the the idea of consistency. I remember... A couple times during my time at IPU, hearing uh, Brad Stroop from 
the prayer room in Dallas, Fort say, Worth. Is that Dallas? Okay, yeah. it's not Austin. But yeah, him, he, even him talking about coming back from a kind of the missions field. Right. What am I going to do? And the Lord prophetically telling him that he was supposed to start meeting every day at a specific time for prayer meeting until Jesus and, comes back. Yeah, until Jesus comes <laughs> back, uh, and he's and he was like, uh, "What do you talk?" And then he was confused, but he did it and is still doing it. And the idea of yeah, the consistency. I mean, sure, there's the prophetic element of that of like the Lord clearly telling him of what he was supposed to do, but there's still the consistency. And faithfulness in the place of prayer, and it, that was a very small group at the start, uh, and it's not a big group now. And I have, I actually have a number of friends who are on staff there. Um, but yeah, seeing faithfulness and consistency pay off so much for them. Jehu, I know that you pioneered some prayer meeting, or at least you were in the early stages and helping it grow, sort of thing in, in the past too. Like, yeah, at uh, at University of Winnipeg a few years back, I had been attending as a student, and so when I started there, I really wanted to have a prayer meeting to go to, and there weren't any there. So me and a previous staff member from shop, Janelle Stevens, uh, she changed her name because she got married. I can't remember her new name. Forsberg. Forsberg, thank you. Um, her and I, uh, I remember we were at the very first prayer meeting there, and so we were standing in front of the University of Winnipeg, and uh, we were just declaring the Lord's truth and promises over the campus and over the student body there, and it was an intimidating thing to do, but there was someone with me. It was me and her. There were two people there being able to pray. And then slowly other people came and there were different students on campus who started to join. And eventually, Johan, you started coming and leading worship and our pastor, Brian Creary, he came sometimes and uh, his son would, would drum and it just, there was different people who started to come and to join. And we had like, it was every Wednesday at lunch hour. And it was just such a such a wonderful thing to have that there were people gathering around prayer. And like, I still have some friends that I made during that prayer meeting that I still talk with and, and connect with over prayer and over the word. And it's just one of those things where when you have a consistent prayer meeting, we have this place of, this is where we go every, whatever day at this time we're meeting, we're praying, uh, it produces something. And so for my five years on campus there, like I'm so thankful that that was an opportunity for me. It was funny. Even uh, I remember I met uh, one individual, I met him at the prayer meeting and then I didn't see him for years. And then he showed up in our prayer room a few, uh, a few years ago, Josiah. And it was so fun because I was like, we forged this thing together in prayer and then we went our separate ways and then we came back and now we're praying together again. And it's just, I don't know, there's something about having a fellowship over prayer, I find, and it's a bit of a tangent, but it's like when you've been praying with someone and then your lives drift apart for a while and then you see them again, there's just that heart connect right away because something was forged in the place of prayer. There's that bond that even though years go by, you you have that connection in the Lord. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it's the relationship with Jesus, right? You have in common and sharing it in prayer that you can't really separate those things. It's uh, just a question for you there, uh, Jehu. With those those meetings that you were helping facilitate for five years, how many friendships came out of that that are that you still have now? What three or four years since you've graduated? Well, it's actually been like five or six years now since I graduated. But uh, yeah, I would say uh, probably two or three. Like there's still there's still a number where you know there's some that I've lost lost touch with but yeah there's still two two or three people where I still connect with them on a semi regular basis and we still have that connection and we never would have had it without without that prayer meeting as a focus and that prayer meeting is still going 5 6 years after you've graduated which for me as someone who helped <laughs> pioneer I'm I'm incredibly thankful I I love that there's still prayer on campus like wow and you have your fingerprint on it right at the beginning that's so cool 
I love that. So any last words of advice for anybody that wants to start a prayer meeting next week? Which is actually your first piece of advice. If you're going to start a prayer meeting, just go do it next week. Just Pick do a it, day. right? Just do it. Uh, last advice. Uh, yeah, just keep it, keep it simple. Don't try to have a three-hour prayer meeting with three people. Don't try to make it like this perfect thing, embrace the sloppiness and, and just reach for the Lord together and be consistent. That's awesome. I would say from a university perspective, you should uh, bring food, pizza, <laughs> true. burgers. Uh, it's one of those the things. Burger? Yeah. The burger week, you can just have people around food and it just creates that community, which then drives the prayer meeting. And you naturally pray before you eat. Exactly. Especially if you're starting a university permitting because, you know, students are poor and they like food. Free food. Free food is huge. And if you're in the workplace, just find one other person. Still free food. Still free food. Bring some food and start a permitting. Go do it next week. If you have any, if you need any more tips or if you just need some encouragement, reach out to us. We'd love to help get you going for sure. But now it's time to transition into... For the oval table. Controversial topic. Oh. Now, for those of you that have engaged in this activity, this is not a judgment against you. We just want to have the conversation. What are our thoughts around the round table? When the semi-round table. The semi-round table. I think it's just worth a conversation because I know people have some strong opinions about it. Some not so strong. Some don't care. I'm probably a little less strong on it. So as a service, we will have this conversation for you because we want to have the hard conversations on this podcast. People spend hours in the prayer room and therefore they want to be comfortable to spend hours in the prayer room so that they can be there and maintain their time in there to withstand the long, vigorous time in the prayer room. So clothing etiquette, specifically today we are talking about going shoeless or even sockless. Like, should this be a thing? Why or why not? Okay, wait, before I, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a note taker to take my mic to give her opinion. But my quick opinion is I'm kind of neutral. I'm all about slippers. Bring slippers to the prayer room. That's my thing. Okay. I'm going to jump off of that. There was actually a slipper day we had where we all wore slippers to the prayer room. It was excellent because normally I'm the wear socks, but not shoes type of person in the prayer room. And so it felt, uh, it felt nice to have something to put over my socks and people wouldn't look at me with such dirty looks. They were like, oh, he's wearing slippers. That's all right. Because when I wear socks, I do, I do get the eye sometimes. All right. And this is Brian here jumping in. So I'm the, uh, I'm the old person in the room here. So come on, we're adults. Put on your shoes and wear them. We, we don't want to smell your feet. We don't want to smell your toes. I mean, just wear your clothes. I, I feel like uh, someone needed to say that. And the oldest person in the room probably was the right one. All right, just to clarify what happened there before, as soon as Johan started introducing this one, uh, he said, going without shoes, and I was like, oh, that's not great. And then he said, without socks, I, I, I genuinely gagged. That was so disgusting. I don't care if you're in sandals or whatever it is. Keep your socks on. Like, uh, going, going in your socks in the pit room is borderline at best. At best. But if you have sandals and you've got bare feet, you better not take those sandals off because that is absolutely disgusting and you should never do it. 
Um, Danica here, and as one that's currently not wearing socks, I feel attacked, but... <laughs> um, just I just from- imagine how our noses feel. <laughs> They're being slaughtered over <laughs> here with those stinky, stinky okay, feet. Um, anyway, um, I come from a community at a Bible college where it was normal to be in socks all the time. Like, you went to chapel and your shoes were off within minutes. <laughs> And so I came to our house of prayer and the first day I was like, no one doesn't like, no one takes their shoes off. And I was very confused. So I think I'm kind of neutral on the topic other than like, if I go to Eston college, I will take my shoes off because it's just Eston. But I think like here now it's like, I think socks are fine as long as it's like you haven't been at work all day. But I do agree with like going sockless when you have had socks on before is disgusting. So I think it might be a crucial question of like when the socks came off, because if you have had socks on and then you take them off, that's disgusting. But if you've just been barefoot the whole day, I don't know. I don't know. All right. So I'll give you that. If you've been barefoot the entire day, your feet, are less likely to be uh, stank. That being said, though, if you're being barefoot all day, your your feet are probably already really dirty. Uh, so you just should just keep your sandals on. Uh, with regards to you, Danica, <laughs> saying that you're neutral really just sounds like you're trying to not be attacked because it sounds pretty clear to me that you are not neutral and you're actually very much for going either socks or barefoot. Not quite fully barefoot in the prayer room and... I think the sockless thing is still like that Eston College. I, I think maybe a, a good way to close this up is with a simple question is, really, what kind of fragrance do you want arising from you in the prayer room? <laughs> and um, and some of you who are listening right now probably need to spend some time just thinking that through, maybe journaling that out. So let me close with that. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Okay. Yeah, let's close. Let's stop this right now. Uh, what's your opinion? In fact, we would like to hear from you. And if you check our show notes beneath on this episode, there's actually a link for you to send a voice message. You might even make it onto the podcast. And I think particularly, I'd love to hear from uh, Caitlin Lutz on this, um, with Fragrance Arise being her blog, which you guys should all check out anyway. Um, I would love to hear her take. <laughs> okay, Caitlin, we want to hear from you. <laughs> Another shout out to the prayer room in Dallas, Fort Worth. Okay. This has been an interesting episode. Thanks so much for joining us, Stuart. Burn it. <laughs> well done. Well done with that. Thank you. I did it. I did it. Okay. Ten times the charm. So thank you, Stuart, for joining us. If you want to find out more information about Burning Rooms podcast, visit our website at burningrooms.ca. Uh, there you can find links to our Instagram social medias and stuff you can also find in show notes so just check beneath here oh this isn't really a video so i can't do the point beneath here you know how they do on youtube videos they point go down click the link in the doobly-doo if you you know what if you are a patron there is video though so so you can click the link you can click the link beneath because you're a patron yeah so join that there's also links for that anyway my name is johan i'm jehu i'm Stuart. And this has been the Burning Rooms Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>